Hello, welcome to the Love Advice segment. Um, It's been a long time since I've released a podcast. I've had a bit of a mental block with it for a while. Um, Kind of just have a tendency to want everything to be perfect and to be able to execute all of the ideas that I have all at once. And that's just not really humanly possible, is it? So (laughs) um, I'm just going to give you some love advice today. I have two questions that I want to answer in some detail. Um, But I thought it might be nice to start with a bit of a catch-up. So I know that a lot of new people are listening to this podcast. Um, Some of the events I've done recently has brought more eyes onto it. Uh, Most recently, the zine dating workshop that has been it was a um a six week workshop we met up every week and we talked through different aspects of relationships and dating and attraction and communication and basically kind of helped each other figure out what we wanted and how to communicate that and have all of these difficult conversations with um people that are in the same situation and that feel kind of safe and um, cozy so we we created that safe space together and then yeah kind of like explored all of these different things and wrote about it and craft about it in zines which are mini magazines if you don't know mini handmade magazines um, and it was so lovely I had the social we had a social on the last session just so that um, we could all see the zines together, see what other people had done. They were all so different. And um, everybody brought a couple of friends, so we all expanded our friendship circles and, yeah, practiced those skills that you need when you're looking for a partner and you want to connect with somebody new. Because um, you can't... It, it's not really just you go out and you find yourself a partner. It's you, you connect with people and you have to... Um, be able to receive other people's opinions and positions and and also be vulnerable and share things about yourself in order to connect um so that's really what we were practicing as well and I'm doing another round of it uh starting next week Tuesday starting the 23rd so if you're interested um and you'd like to join you can find all the information on my Instagram and for those of you who don't have Instagram Oh, I should really put a link in. I'll put a link in the show notes or the episode description. I have a WhatsApp group and I just um, post events in there. So if you don't have Instagram, honestly, I admire you if you don't have Instagram because I wish I didn't have Instagram sometimes. It can be such a time suck. Um, but yeah, so if you don't have Instagram but you do have WhatsApp, you will still be notified about upcoming events. And yeah, so I'll put the link to that in the the episode description in fact I'm just going to write down to do that so that I don't forget um I just bought some post-it notes I got them online and they came they just happened to be the um the pansexual flag (laughs) um okay whatsapp link in episode description I wanted to answer a question that I was asked months and months ago and actually I've spoken to the person that asked the question since then and we've actually kind of talked about this type of thing but this is going to be very useful for a lot of people. The question was about I've never dated queer before, I've 
been in heteronormative relationships, how do I take the first steps? How do I kind of go out into the world and date um, the people that I want to date? And how do I date queer people? Um, And what do I need to be prepared for in that? Uh, It seems very scary. Now, the workshop that I just mentioned would be a great place to start. But um, I'm also going to give you just some thoughts that came to mind for me. Okay, so first off, expect to feel very deeply and very hard. Um, There's When you're dating anyway, regardless of whether you've just kind of come out of a relationship and are looking to explore your sexuality or you have like come to some realizations within yourself and are going to start dating as a more authentic um as a more authentic person (laughs) you know like you've you've realized what you actually want and the kinds of people you actually want to date and you're going to start doing that um aside from any of that dating brings up a lot of feelings there's a lot of general underlying drama there's like a hum you know the the anticipation of meeting someone new the excitement of finding out that somebody fancies you or when you start to like someone and there's the classic rejection fear roller coaster of um, liking somebody or starting something with someone and being kind of scared that they're going to reject you. Or even on a date, you know, even before you know if you like someone, it can be really scary to be potentially rejected, even if you don't know the person yet. Um, but when you're dating queer, when you're starting to date, queer people as a queer person yourself um there will be some extra tension some excitement and fear some bigger feelings it may feel like there's a lot riding on your dating life that like every single date is much more charged um and in a way there kind of is a a queer identity doesn't usually come on as strong and feel as stable as you might expect um like in in the media and TV and film and books and stuff, it's like, I I think it's getting better now, but often the story would be like, oh, I realize I'm gay and yes, here I am. This is my identity forever. And I never worry about it or question it ever again. Uh, But it doesn't tend to happen like that in real life. Um, Each date, when you you first start dating the kinds of people you want to date, Each date can feel kind of like a test of your sexuality, as if um, the outcome of the date will mean something drastic about you. Um, But this is an illusion, really. Um, It can feel very dramatic because, you know, maybe you have some internalized homophobia or some internalized, like, bi, pan, queer phobia. making you feel as though there is a a right choice or a wrong choice so that if you fancy someone of the opposite sex then that's good or the opposite gender sorry um that kind of having a heteronormative date is good and when that goes well that's a good sign and then having a date with a that's queer um and that goes well that that's kind of like damning in a way that you've you're like oh yeah i really am queer oh no But really, no one attraction, no one good date, one bad date, one date alone can define you. Um, 
it is true that dating will teach you things about what and who you like, but um, whatever you learn about yourself is all allowed and okay. There's no potential outcome to fear when you embark on this. Um, liking just one gender is okay, no matter which gender. Liking people regardless of gender is okay. Liking people of multiple genders is okay. Fancying no one at all is okay. Um, so regardless of what you discover about yourself, you are still you are still whole, you are still enough, you are still worthy of love and deserving of the things that you want. Um, and none of the things that you find out, none of the attractions that you discover are permanent truths about yourself anyway. None of this is bad and none of this is forever. Um, with that in mind, I know it's not easy, but if you can try and remember this, it removes that extra tension from the dating situation and makes it so much easier to actually connect with the person in front of you rather than be kind of like in your head of like, what does this mean about me? Yeah, so how is the tricky part? I have a few tips on how to try and diffuse this from your brain while you're on the dates um, and even afterwards when you're thinking about it or talking about it with friends. The first thing is... Um, to understand where it's coming from and forgive yourself. Of course you are feeling this way. Of course you feel conflicted and stressed about what a date might mean about you. Um, society has been telling you that one thing is right and one thing is wrong when it comes to sexuality for your whole life. Um, most of the media that you've consumed has been telling you this. Um, so it makes sense to have a, an element of bias uh, well fear to to be fearing discovering your queerness that makes complete sense it's you can see where it's coming from and you can forgive yourself it doesn't make you any less it doesn't make you weak it doesn't make you less queer um all of this fear has been programmed into you and you can accept that it's going to come up even if you're actively trying to diffuse it um and you can forgive yourself for having these thoughts. Now, speaking of the thoughts, um, when thoughts do come up, and I'm talking about thoughts like, oh no, what does this mean about me? Or does this mean that I'm a lesbian? Does this mean that I'm bisexual? Or maybe you identify as bisexual, and then you're like, okay, maybe I was just faking it, and I'm actually not bisexual, I'm just queer, I'm just gay. Uh, this kind of internal drama, this like niggling that happens in your brain. Um, I find that the most useful thing to do is to think of a kind of quick response that is kind but diffusing of these thoughts. So an example of that could be, of course you're worried about that, but it's okay, we'll figure it out. I've... um. I've, I've listened to a podcast and, and read some articles about um, treating anxious thoughts as kind of like worried friends, you know, uh, as like personifying them in your brain and thinking like, oh, there's a worried friend coming over to me saying, oh, no, but what if nobody likes us? I think maybe nobody likes us. And to a worried friend, you wouldn't say, oh, don't be so stupid. And you wouldn't you wouldn't just try and ignore them because they're just going to say it louder. So when you have these anxiety thoughts and you have these kind of 
existential like I think they get pretty existential sometimes you know these anxieties about how you want to define yourself and how you how you do define yourself um welcome them say of course you're worried about that come here give me a hug give me a hug it's all right everything's okay we're gonna figure it out aside from that um, a good thing to do is to intentionally build your sense of self and self-esteem in other ways Um, you can do this alone taking extra time with yourself to give yourself love cook yourself a meal hold yourself nicely um, make yourself a comfortable and um, soothing environment and give yourself the love that you know that you deserve from others Um, with friends and community you can do this as well taking some time in the moment to soak up all of the love and kindness around you Um, I think it's really often that we can kind of speed through these moments that we spend with our friends um, and not really be present and feel ourselves being like seen and validated Um, I think especially English people I'm speaking as an English person I think we um, often get a little awkward in those moments when we're um, feeling seen or validated and it's hard to make eye contact (laughs) but um, really paying attention to to these things can help build your sense of self and your sense of self-esteem and self-worth when you see yourself reflected in people that love you oh I'm sorry my chair is squeaky I don't know if you can hear that Um, I wanted to also talk about these deep hard feelings and where they can come from so often regardless of your sexuality um, if you're dating in a heterosexual way like whether you whether you are attracted to people of opposite gender or not um, you can kind of date in a sort of inauthentic superficial way when you're not really sure what you want Um, I think a lot of us spend a lot of time in kind of like uh, what's it called compulsory heterosexuality um and again whether you are attracted to people of the opposite gender or if you are only attracted to people of the same gender um that kind of formula that heteronormative straight formula um can be kind of oppressive um and it can prevent you from actually accessing your feelings when you're in these relationships and having these experiences um so then when you discover your queerness and you start to explore it you can often be dating authentically and being vulnerable and being open and sitting across from people that you fancy for the very first time um and this can be really overwhelming if you've been dating people in a way that Um, closes you off to your feelings or if you've been dating people that you're just not attracted to um, when you're finally in an authentic dating situation where there is connection happening that you're welcoming and excited for um, you can feel like a teenager again you can feel a little overwhelmed and for this I really recommend um, I mean first of all just to be aware that this might happen um, that you might have very intense feelings and that it doesn't necessarily mean that you've met your person and you need to move in together tomorrow, you know? <laughs> it's like the classic 
queer women stereotypes of immediately moving in with each other um and yeah these strong feelings don't necessarily signal that to you it could just be that you're dating people that you fancy for the first time um and I think a, a good way to stay grounded in that is to have some time to feel the feelings give yourself the space and the permission to feel these emotions for another person to feel the intensity of the connection um either in the moment or well in the moment and afterwards when you're thinking about it um and then make sure that you have some space to get some perspective so try writing about it on your own or um thinking about it at length i can't seem to stay focused on thinking about something unless i write it down but if you are able to do that then you can just think about it um think about the feelings think about what's actually happened between you and this person and is this a a connection that's happening is this intimacy that's happening or is it kind of um is it almost false intimacy because there's like projection happening like maybe you are more excited about the idea of the other person than who they are in reality um so take some time to think about that on your own write it down if you need to and also um talk about it with friends i think it's um it's really useful to have an outside perspective on what's going on you don't have to listen to everything your friends say don't i'm not saying that your friends are going to be right 100% of the time but it's good to vocalize your thoughts and feelings about an experience or a relationship or a date and have somebody that knows you and cares about you and loves you um witness that and and validate your thoughts and feelings and you know that if they know you well they can sort of reflect that to you and enjoy those big feelings you know it's um i think feeling intense connections with people even if they are a little projected and even if they are a little um more hormones than anything else (laughs) um that can be a beautiful thing and try and enjoy it uh along the way I, i now have some more practical tips for getting out there um if you've come to a love advice a free love advice booth that i've done in the past and you've asked me about how to get out there, you are going to know what I'm about to say. But um, yeah, it's about the way that you, the way that you treat events that you go to looking for people to connect with. So first of all, the types of events you're going to, um, if you want to meet someone, you're going to have to leave your house, I think. Um, Unless you're interested in doing it online, but I think when it comes to forming real connections with people it's much easier in person often um so when you leave your house you've got to decide on where you're going to go and the events that you go to are really going to determine the people that you meet so think about going to places um or activities where things are happening that you enjoy i think that there's like this expectation that if you're looking for a partner or you're looking to date or looking to connect with people you should go to a bar um But if you are not interested in going to bars and the type of person you'd like to date isn't often found in bars, you're probably not going to find your people there. So um, try and think about the things that you would love to do with a partner or that you would love to do with a friend 
and go to those things. Now, once you're there, I'm afraid you're going to have to talk to some people as well. (laughs) Um, And I have a few uh, little tricks, I suppose, um, that help with talking to people that you don't know at events. So I would say before you go to the event, uh, give yourself a number of people that you need to talk to before you leave. This can be two people, saying that you need to talk to two people. Um, and then once you've talked to those two people, you can go home if you really don't feel like being social anymore, or you can stay and talk to more people. Um, and if you're at a place or an event um, that you really care about, that is an activity that you really enjoy, like if you're at a bookshop and you love to read, then use your environment to decide what to say you don't have to go up to someone and say like oh hello I would like to talk to you you can um you can draw from the environment and if you're in places that you want to spend time in that will be a lot easier um I would also say (laughs) reduce your threshold for what encourages you to talk to somebody so don't feel like you have to really fancy someone to go up and talk to them um allow yourself to be drawn to talk to somebody for the smallest reasons so if you like their tote bag or whatever um and then use that as your opener say i I like your tote bag this having a number of people to talk to can like almost reduce the pressure of each individual interaction and it can help you to regulate your social battery when you're at events um feeling like you don't have to stay if you're not feeling up to it um I keep saying um and I'm very aware of it I'm sorry because I decided that I'm not gonna edit this podcast I'm just gonna put it out so I'm sorry for the ums uh the other thing when it comes to talking to people is figuring out how you want to ask people out um this is different for everyone I was talking to somebody the other day at the workshop who was saying that um they really like to invite people to group things and see First of all, it's a bit less pressure because it's not just the two of you facing each other, talking at each other. Um, There's a bit more going on. There's more interaction happening and you get to see the other person interacting with others and how they treat other people. So that's a really a good one. (laughs) I, for a period of time when I was living abroad and I was quite shy to talk to people, um, I started doing little ask out cards. So I just always had a notebook with me And I would write down like, hey, you seem cool. Would you like to go for a drink and give them the paper with my number? Um, And it's very cute. It's incredibly cute. So even if they don't, even if they're not interested, you will probably have made their day and you can leave before they answer, which is a bonus. And then there's always the DM slide. You can always ask for someone's Instagram. I think it's so useful that Instagram exists for this reason because it seems much less serious than asking for somebody's number um and if you ask for somebody's Instagram and you are vibing with them slide into their DMs ask them to go for a coffee um start with a date that is a bit low-key so that it's not as stressful to ask all right so finally uh, (laughs) I have Three more pieces of advice. Actually, one of them I've already mentioned, but I'm going to say it again. Um, The dating app that I recommend is Lex. 
it's actually not specifically dating it's like a connections app it's for mates and dates and it's purely text-based um you have to write a post otherwise people can't see your profile and you would write a post saying well actually it varies quite a lot (laughs) some of them are just like hey i'm gonna go to this exhibition does anyone want to come and then some of them can be uh, very horny (laughs) Uh, so I guess there's room for all parts of that spectrum but I really recommend it I was talking to someone about this and the they were saying that the good thing about it is how intentional it is how you're not kind of passively putting yourself up there to be swiped or not you are saying I'm gonna do this or I'm looking for someone to do this with who wants to do it with me and people can't really interact with you unless they are saying I would like to do it with you um so Yeah, I think it's a really great app for that reason. My events are a great place to meet queer people. I host singles events of all different types. I like to have them be very relaxed and low-key. For example, I have a coffee morning coming up next week. And I do a monthly social, the fruit salad social, first Thursday of every month in Deptford in Little Nans. Um, And both of those are very much... you can show up and you just uh there's conversation cards so it's quite easy to start a conversation with someone and you can really just move about the event however you like and then I also do slightly more direct events like I'm going to do a medium speed dating at the LGBT community center I would plug it but it's actually sold out (laughs) um which is kind of like speed dating but slowed down it's not one to one on one it's in small groups and you have like half an hour with each group and then half the group gets moved on it's like a a nice way of meeting people without the stress of sitting across from a new stranger every five minutes um so yeah I recommend coming to my events that's what they're for and if you are still feeling a bit lost and you would like some help and you would like some support and to be in a room with other people in the same position come to queer zine dating it's it's been an amazing process this last one and from all the feedback that the the first load of people have given me the second one's going to be better and I'm really excited to run it so please come along if you feel like you want some help with this because that's what it's there for okay I think that's everything about that question what's the next question ah okay um this isn't a question for single people this is a question um for couples well um i did a free love advice booth at the queer off uh fair that was a few weeks ago and the sweetest couple came and spoke to me we we chatted for ages they gave me some rainbow laces it was very cute and i'm not going to go into too much detail because this is a very general problem that i think a lot of people struggle with but Um, They were asking me for advice about having trouble communicating within a partnership. So either like over communicating in some areas, under communicating in other areas, um, communication styles clashing slightly and all of that really affecting intimacy. So I have some advice. Hang on, I'm going to move the mic up. I have some advice. (laughs) it's quite a bit because we talked for a long time and I wrote down some notes and I really want to share it all so okay here we go I might have some water before I start 
Okay. The first thing I suggest is if you find yourself having moments with your partner where it's very difficult for both of you or one of you to communicate, um, having a easy peasy uh, kind of like shorthand communication go-to for the moment to express how you feel. Um, and that means not having kind of a, a analytical or heated argument or discussion when you're upset but having a way of kind of expressing how you feel and then addressing the problem later or addressing the feelings or addressing the situation later one that we talked about was uh, like <laughs> growling so if you're annoyed at someone and you <laughs> you don't kind of want to go into it in that moment or you're having a mental block or you can't express your feelings fully just like being like like just making that noise and having your partner know what that means um asking for a pause is another good version of this i find the growl is also quite useful because it sort of breaks the tension a little bit it reminds you both that even though in this moment uh some emotions are running high and uh someone's feelings might be hurt that there is still kind of like love and familiarity between you two and oh, what are some other examples I think removing yourself from the situation can sometimes be useful if you say I need to be alone for a minute I need to be alone to process this and then leaving the room um, so that would be my first tip but that always needs to be paired with my second which is having a designated moment to talk about feelings. So this could be uh, uh, once a week or once a month or once every few months. I find it really useful if you're having a casual dating situation with someone or even just when you first start dating someone. I call it relationship reviews. I don't know if that's what they call it in Broad City, but they also there's an example of that in Broad City where you have a designated time to sit down with your partner and kind of go through any uh, issues that have been coming up, talk about where you're at in the relationship, talk about how you're both feeling. And not only is this like a great moment to have feelings heard and discussed um, when you both know that it's going to happen so you can both prepare and be in, in the right place for it, but I think having this in the future can make individual moments of high emotion easier to deal with you know that you don't have to, you know, uh, I don't know, stop whatever you're doing and explain everything that's going on with you. You know that if you put it to one side for now, that it will be addressed later. So it, like with the having a, a shorthand communication style for the moment, saying that you need some space or that you need to step away. You might be in the middle of your day and you can't really have... A super long conversation about how you're feeling or maybe you just don't have access to your feelings in that moment if you know that you're going to have a time in the future where your partner's going to be there listening to you and you, you're going to be able to discuss it it can make putting things to one side in that moment when you need to a lot easier because uh, you know that it's going to be addressed uh, another thing is signposting conversations so <laughs> 
<laughs> I think this is so useful for so many parts of life. Um, I'm just gonna move, but I think my chair's gonna make a noise, hang on. Signposting conversations. Uh, the phrase signposting conversations comes for me from doing clinical skills at uni <laughs> when you kind of tell somebody at the beginning of the conversation what is about to happen in the conversation I think it's pretty self-explanatory in that way and this can involve something like hey I just want to vent are you okay to listen to me talk about this or I really need some advice could you listen to my situation and let me know what you think because I think often communication problems happen when one person is expecting something from the conversation and the other person is giving something else and all without discussing it or without saying I just need to vent or I want some advice and you can be left feeling like you've not been heard or you can like if the person tries to give you advice when you just wanted to be heard you can left feeling you can be left feeling really sort of um, dismissed in a way and if somebody just listens to you vent when you actually wanted advice it can feel like they don't care so all of these kind of uh, assumptions about what's happened in a conversation can be quite harmful so it's it's useful to actually let the other person know what you want from them in that moment rather than expecting them to read your mind on it because that's not possible <laughs> Um, the other side of that is asking them what they need if they are um, sharing something and you're not sure exactly what they want from you you can ask them this can be done at the beginning of a conversation or for me most commonly when I remember to do it <laughs> um, in the middle of the conversation when I'm about to blab loads of advice at them I feel like wait hang on a minute do you want some advice or do you just want to vent and it can be, yeah, it can be really useful in making the communications a lot smoother and having your intentions and your feelings heard and then understood in both directions. So you, you, all you want to do when your partner is talking to you is, is like hold space for them or all you want to do is make them feel like everything's okay and that they're loved and appreciated. And if your go-to to make them feel that way or to express that to them is um to give them advice and they're not looking for advice you've also been misunderstood because you're just trying to give them love and they're receiving it as um I guess criticism or not being heard so yeah signposting <laughs> um along with this remember who you're talking to remember that you're talking to somebody that loves you and cares about you and has good intentions towards you and even if you feel that they're not listening to you because they're giving you advice or you feel like they don't care because they're just listening, um, remember that this is somebody that does care about you and they probably just have the wrong end of the stick in terms of what you want out of that interaction. So that's something that's worth remembering. I have some tips for increasing intimacy. Well, not increasing intimacy, but decreasing the threshold to intimacy so I think what can happen often in relationships is uh, the intimate sexual physical side of things can start off quite um, natural quite natural and uh, yeah everybody's satisfied you know what I mean but 
when things continue and um, the initial excitement kind of dies down a bit, you're really getting to know each other on a deeper level. It's not um, so shiny and new anymore. There's like beautiful depths to the relationships, but the excitement can sometimes reduce the sex drive or reduce the amount of sex that you're having. Um, and intimacy, not just sex. The The classic story goes is that one member of the partnership is uh, maybe more forward or more has a higher sex drive or is initiating sex more. The other person, um, for whatever reason, is not interested. Maybe, uh, the, yeah, there could there could be a lot of reasons. Um, and then the person who was initiating a lot feels rejected, loses heart, doesn't feel like initiating anymore. Nobody's initiating, nobody's having sex. And yeah, things kind of grind to a halt in that department. Um, it doesn't have to happen exactly like that, but if it sounds vaguely familiar to you, here are some tips to lower the threshold for intimacy. So when this has happened and when there's been rejection, uh, even though, of course, when your partner doesn't want to have sex with you, this isn't really a rejection. This is just um, you're respecting each other's boundaries. It, it can feel like a rejection. You can feel rejected when you, you know, try and make a move and uh, it's turned down, usually in a, in a more direct way because you are in, in a partnership. You're close and you have um, you communicate with each other in a direct way. Um, so this rejection makes kind of puts you off from trying to initiate sex and even the reverse if you're the one you know you you're the one that's kind of like turning down someone initiating sex with you a lot it can feel like you have to be really in the mood in order to want to initiate with them and this is what I mean by threshold it comes to a point where the 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 prospect of rejection is so likely or the prospect of disappointment is so likely that you have to be almost 100% sure that they're in the mood and they want to have sex with you in that moment in order to initiate. Um, and of course, that's almost never the case. <laughs> um, it's almost never the case that somebody is clearly communicating um, subtly without being direct that they are interested in having sex and that you, if you made a move on them, it would have 100% success. So... The result is high threshold and nobody's willing to go for the threshold because it's too daunting. Um, so my advice is to try and lower that threshold by creating moments for intimacy that fit into your life. So whether that is uh, on a weekly basis or a monthly basis or daily basis. And by intimacy, I mean um, non-sexual intimacy. For example, having an evening a week when you both go to bed early or where you have some time just for the two of you that's private. Um, it could be back rubs. It could be... Um, <laughs> I've recently been... I, I got some like nail oil and putting on nail oil and then putting nail oil on my partner as well. Um, it's like completely non-sexual and very intimate at the same time you know you're touching each other's hands 
And yeah, if you create these pockets of intimacy, it can help you to lower the threshold in those moments. You're more often spending time with each other that is private, connected and present. Um, And in these moments, it's kind of easier for sex to potentially happen but there's no pressure for it to happen you know because you're just moisturizing your nails (laughs) um if one partner hates to plan things so i think a a lot of people are against the whole oh you've got to schedule in a time to cuddle or schedule in time to have sex because they want it to be spontaneous and then the other partner does want to schedule it then the partner that does want to schedule it should just schedule it in secret and then you can prepare for it. You can have, you know, in your mind that that's going to happen today, that you're going to do back massages or you're going to cuddle and you can kind of prepare for that mentally and emotionally, but you don't have to tell your partner that it's going to happen until it's happening and then it seems spontaneous. Um, So yeah, this is kind of a, an extension of the other tip which is making room for quality time together uh, so the intimacy is kind of like intentionally intimate even even though it's not sexual but having quality time together when you can actually talk to each other you can connect look at each other rather than just like eating dinner in front of the telly or seeing each other in the morning while you're brushing your teeth um, making room to have like a date night even if the date night is just staying in and um, spending time together. This is so important and has to go hand in hand with making room for quality time apart. So if one or both partners spends all of their alone time busy with something, so either uh, like if you spend all of your alone time at work, or all of your alone time working from home, um, then you're not having enough time to kind of like replenish yourself and tend to yourself. And then the time that you spend with your partner can get a little codependent because you're not able to actually look after yourself and you're not able to recharge those kind of like, uh, yeah, those, those moments when there's nobody around and there's nobody to interact with or pay attention to other than yourself so yeah make room for quality time together and make sure you have quality time apart as well um i have two final points (laughs) sorry this is so organized this this one is very um formulaic um so two final points you need to remember two things your partner cannot fulfill all of your needs and they probably shouldn't if your partner isn't very good at uh, watching movies with you because you like to talk through them, yes, I'm speaking from personal experience, um, then make sure that there's somebody in your life to do that with if that's something that you really enjoy. Your partner doesn't have to be the one that is with you for every activity that you enjoy. Your partner doesn't have to be the one that um, performs all of the acts that you want to receive make sure that your life is full of love in all directions and um, that the things that you really enjoy doing with people that you don't just try and force it into your relationship because there are so many other people in your life and they they deserve to spend some time with you as well you know if you want to see them 
that's a beautiful gift to them. The other thing to remember is the relationship is important. I think often people will be with somebody for a long period of time and get frustrated when things don't happen in a completely natural way, but refuse to put any significant amount of time or effort into fixing it or to getting to a better place with it. Um, But if the relationship is important to you, and I assume it is because if it wasn't, why are you in a relationship? (laughs) If this other person being in your life is important, treat it as important. Um, Take the time and make the effort to address any issues that you have and to connect with each other because that's what a relationship is really. It's um, an ongoing connection. Yeah, (laughs) okay. Oh, I just got like a weird whistle in my ear, which maybe means I'm going to get a migraine, but we will see about that. Let's see how that goes. I'll update you next time I record a podcast, which will be sooner than, I'm so sorry about how long this one has taken. I've, um, I really appreciated the feedback that people have been giving me on previous episodes. It's so, it's so nice when you make something in order to like make people feel seen and and to provide a sense of comfort and to be useful really that's that's kind of what I'm trying to do and then people tell you that it was useful and that it did make them feel seen um so I appreciate that also nobody gets enough of those messages nobody in the world gets enough messages of appreciation so if you uh, appreciate somebody's work in the world please tell them because it will make their day yeah I think that's kind of all I have to say. I thought I had something else to say, but I've seemed to have forgotten. I would love to see you at one of my events soon. You can find all the information on my Instagram. If you have any questions that you want answered on the podcast, please um, DM me or I have an anonymous form in my Instagram link, uh, like in the link in my bio. And, um, oh, what else? Yes, so because some people have, some new people have been listening to my podcast from the beginning, they uh, have gone to my Patreon, which is kind of out of date, (laughs) but I'm going to resurrect it because I think it's the future. I think Patreon is the future Instagram, now that Instagram is truly being destroyed for um, video content. So I'm going to resurrect my Patreon so that you can have some benefits from subscribing and yeah so I'll I think the link to that I'll put that in the in the uh, in the event description as well I'll put everything in the event description um and one of the things that was really stopping me from recording another podcast is that I lost the original file of my jingle and uh, I just feel like there should be a jingle so if you write jingles or if you could write a jingle and you wanted to do that for me as a beautiful free gift because I can't currently afford what a jingle should cost, please let me know. And yeah, <laughs> you, you you understand the vibe of the podcast, I'm sure. Um, have a lovely day, whatever you're doing. And I will speak to you soon. Yes, soon. I won't say next week, but I'm, I will say soon. Okay, bye.